Let's turn back to the portion we read, Gospel according to Mark, chapter 10, and uh, looking again at verses 26 and 27. And they were greatly astonished, seeing among themselves who then can be saved. But Jesus looked at them and said, With men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Well, first of all, a question. This young man, this rich young ruler who came to Jesus, came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Question is, was he saved? We know that he went away from Jesus sad the heavy burden was he saved I don't know depends what his burden was as he left the Lord was his burden that he couldn't have salvation and the riches of this world alongside it to trust in was he going to be allowed to trust in the riches and also in Christ. Was it going to be Christ plus the riches? Well, surely no. If that was his way of looking at it, no, he couldn't be saved on that basis. But if his burden was other than that, if his burden was the hardness of his heart, that he was so taken up with worldly things, well, there's a possibility that he might have been saved. We read about him that Jesus loved him. And the word that's used for love there is a word that usually means loved savingly. It's not always the it's not always mean doesn't always mean loved savingly. It can be more it can have a more general meaning. But very often it is loved savingly. Well, if Jesus loved him savingly, this man will have will be saved. If he's gone away with a heart, with a heart heavy about his burden that he cannot that he cannot believe that he cannot trust only in Christ, as he would wish. If Christ has loved him, if Christ has begun a saving work in him by loving him, Christ will follow him. Christ will save him. We leave him with the Lord. We don't know what became of him. Certainly, if he was trusting in his riches alone, no. If his burden was other than that, as I've been saying, and Christ loved him, we don't know. Very possible that the Lord followed him up and that he was given that heart, heart of flesh to believe. But that's not what I want to follow up tonight. It's the question, who then can be saved? 
And I want to look at that in a very simple way. You've probably heard a man called John Duncan. Actually, he was known as John Rabbi Duncan because he was so he was a minister in the Church of Scotland in better days in the Church of Scotland. And uh, he was very much taken up with the work among the Jews. And so he became known as Rabbi Duncan. And he gave an answer to what it is to believe in Christ in the following terms. He spoke of the gospel noose. And he spoke of that noose as having three strands to it. And that's what I want to follow up tonight, each of these strands. The first is, I must believe. The second is, I can't believe. And the third is, God can. Just the, these three headings tonight, the imperative of believing in Christ, the impossibility in our own strength to believe in Christ. What is impossible for us is possible with God, and not only possible, but the promise is there, whosoever comes unto him, he will in no wise cast out. First then, the imperative of believing in Christ. Well, we must believe in Christ because of this, our, our, the terrible theology, the terrible situation, the terrible state of sin in which we are found. We sinned in Adam. We fell in him in his first transgression. We come into this world as sinners. Sinners by nature, and we add to that the sins of practice. But that includes everyone who has been born by ordinary generation from Adam, come into this world, they've come in in a state of sin. And sin the fall has brought us into an estate, an estate of sin and misery. When we speak of the fall bringing us into an estate of sin, we mean it made us guilty. We became guilty before God's law. The day that the wheat is thereof, they shall surely die. We broke that law, we became guilty, and we, as guilty sinners, we came under condemnation the condemnation of the broken law. And that's the way we come into this world, under condemnation of the broken law. And if we continue in that state, we shall, well, it were better for us, we've never been born into the world at all. Not only will we be in the condemned cell, but we shall enter into the execution cell. That's the only title we have to anything in this world, the title that our guilt gives us to a lost hell, to the damnation, to the condemnation of the law, and to the damnation of the eternal lostness and eternal punishment. 
Sin brought us, the fall brought us into a state of sin, of guilt and so on, as I've been saying. But it brought us into a state of sin and misery. And by that we mean that it brought us into a state of depravity, total depravity. The thoughts of our hearts, the Bible tells us, are continually evil. So you see, the fall has brought us into a state of sin, the fall has brought us into a state of misery, of condemnation and guilt, of depravity on the other hand. The one, the sin and the guilt, entitles us to a loss, to, entitles us to hell. The depravity gives us the character that fits us for that hell, where nothing unclean can enter. Where nothing but the unclean can enter, sorry, into that lost hell. That's the theological situation that we are all in. That's what makes it imperative that we believe in Christ, that our souls be secured, that our souls be saved. That is our status, status, and that is our condition. Without exception, every man who comes into this world. Now, not only is that the theological state that we are in, but there's also the imperative of believing in Christ because the alternative to believing in Christ is so awesome. It is, as I've already said, a lost eternity. And one aspect of that lost lost eternity, that lost hell, is eternal despair. There's one aspect of it we're going to touch on tonight. If you were to meet a most miserable person you've ever seen in this world, maybe a drunk addict or a drug addict, and he's, he's come into the yellow sea of life, just as low as you can go, as it were, you looked at them, there would still be with that man or woman, there would still be with them, one day my boat will come in, one day I'll come up on the poles, one day things will change, a little, just a little, little glimmer of hope in the midst of his hopelessness. And that little glimmer would be enough to keep him going. But if you or I enter into a lost eternity, and may the Lord in his mercy avert that, but if we ever, if that were to be our experience, it would be hopelessness that would never, ever end. And you would know that it would never end. I don't know if you can measure eternity in terms of years, but we think in terms of latitude now. And after a million years of it, and a million, million years of it, it would still be the same. No hope. Eternal despair. 
that makes it imperative that we believe that we seek salvation for our souls. It is so imperative theologically and it's so imperative well necessarily because the alternative is so awesome. Now somebody might say but I'm not quite as bad as that. You're speaking of total depravity but um, I know people I know an old lady down the road and she's she's kind. She reads her Bible. She does various good things. Surely you're not speaking of a lost hell for such a person as that. She's not a believer in Christ, maybe. She's not maybe a church going person. She's not a believer in Christ, but she is. There's a lot of kindness about it. Notice what the sin has brought us into is a state of total depravity. Not yet absolute depravity. Absolute depravity, that will be hell. Total depravity is slightly different. If we were to if it were possible to take a microscope and apply it, spiritually speaking, to our hearts and to see the nature of our sin, we would see that there's a, like a volcano, a, 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 just like a volcano, like the lava in a volcano, ready to erupt, that that's in our hearts. That's the nature of our hearts. Evil continually, as Scripture says. But God has put as it were, a layer, just on that layer, that, that, that volcano is ready to erupt, God puts a layer, a crust on the earth, so that it's not erupting all the time. God puts restraint upon our sin in this world. And that's how you find some people... Um, there's some decency about them. That's how you find this law and order to an extent in this world. That's how we can gather to church in peace. That's how we can have a measure of uh, law and order in our society. The Lord puts our strength so that their sin is not given the full vent that it. That is its nature. And he's done that for a purpose. He's done that so that the gospel can be preached to every sinner in this world who comes into this world. That you might believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and escape the damnation that is sin deserves. It's of God's measure. But it will not last forever. The day will come when that crust on the volcano of our sin will be taken away. It will happen if we pass into eternity Christless. It will certainly happen on the day of judgment. It's an awesome prospect. That's what makes the securing of my soul's welfare 
so imperative. The fall, the alternative is so awesome. Yes, the objection that men raise about uh, not yet being as totally evil as they might be, that still does not take away the punishment that awaits, the destiny that awaits if we remain Christless at the last. I must believe. I must believe. It's imperative. And the second strand of this gospel news is I cannot believe. Because when we speak of believing in Christ, it's not just mere intellectual assent. If that were all, every one of us could do it. To believe is to, well, there's intellectual assent in it, of course, but there's more than that. There's trust. There's, we must lean the whole weight of our never-dying soul security on the passion and the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice, not just part of my soul security, but all of it. All the welfare of never-dying soul security in Christ and him crucified. There and there alone. Now, that's what makes it difficult for the natural man, the unregenerate person. Passion born in a state of sins. We are by nature, all of us. That's what makes it impossible for him. The nature of my sin is that I want to take some credit to myself for what I do. I want to take some credit to myself for my own salvation. Even to the extent of can I not take credit to myself that I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Can I not trust the, regard that as a, a, a doing on my part that has some merit to deserve salvation? The word of God says no. You must lean the whole weight of your never-dying soul security on him alone. You must come with the empty hand of sin receive out of his fullness contributing nothing of your own but your shame and your sin and that's where the pride of the fallen heart stands out and it finds it impossible to do just that the backbone of that self-sufficiency that is with us by fallen nature the backbone of that pride that is with us by fallen nature must be broken And we cannot do that of ourselves. It needs the power of God's Spirit by the truth to break down that stony heart of unbelief. It is impossible for us.
we must be born again of the Spirit of God. We must be enabled to lean the weight of our never-dying soul security on a personal and finished work of Christ. We must be enabled uh, to believe in him. We must be enabled that the backbone of pride and self-sufficiency be broken. <coughs> and it needs the Spirit of the Lord, as I've said, through the truth to do it. And that is the second heading. I must, I can't. And the third is, God can. What is impossible for us is possible with God. Look at the provision that he has made in his own son. He viewed mankind from all eternity with his all prescient eye before there was a speck of creation in being, before there was an angel formed, before the earth was formed. He saw man with his all prescient eye. He saw him in his repulsiveness of his fallenness. And he purposed on the salvation of a constituency from the midst of, from the midst of that fallen mass. Giving them to his son to be the one who would stand in that Roman place and meet the prize necessary to set them free from condemnation and the deserving of their sin. And you know what has happened there. In the fullness of time, God the second person took our nature into union with himself in the womb of Mary by the creative power of the Holy Spirit. Supernaturally, that human nature formed by the Father was created in the womb of Mary. And the second the person, second person took that human nature into union with himself at that very moment. So that in the process of time, nine months indeed, the one born of her was that Holy One of God, one who is God and man in two distinct natures. The one who alone could meet the Christ to set us free. He is God and he is man. He is with God who, against whom we have transgressed, and he is man, taking the nature, taking, standing in the Roman place of the transgressor. And in the as the God man, he has paid the price in full. whose life was a life of perfect obedience. He could speak at the end of thirty years in this world, Prince of this world cometh and he will find nothing in me, nothing to point a finger at, no depravity there, total holiness without spot or blemish. Still needed more than that. Must pay the penalty, not just the obedience required of us in Adam before he fell, but the penalty required of us in Adam having fallen. And he has paid that penalty to the full, particularly in the cross, 
When he who knew no sin in himself was made sin for us, he bore the curse, he bore the wrath of God due to his people in the fool. He could say it is finished, the price is paid. And it's there in Christ alone that the salvation is set before us. It was the purpose of the Father. He so loved that he gave his own Son. But it is fulfilled in Christ. And still, you see, even when that is done, it's still impossible for us to believe. Even when the unspeakable gift of God is set before us in the Gospel. Otherwise, every time that the Gospel is preached, sinners will be saved, every one of them. But no, salvation is there in Christ, but still, can I not take credit to myself? A little at least. We must come with the empty hand of faith. And there, you see, God comes to the earth again. What was impossible with us is possible with God. By the Holy Spirit. That's what you must must cry for, the gift of the Holy Spirit and believers. I don't know you, I don't know those out of Christ, if there's any in the midst here this night, or those in Christ. But if you're (coughs) out of Christ, you need the Holy Spirit. You need the gift of the Holy Spirit to enable you to lean the weight of your soul security on what is complete in Christ. You must do that. And may the Lord enable you to cry out when you're still on mercy's ground. The cry of the public and abode, Lord, have mercy upon me, the sinner. May the Lord enable you to cry out for the enabling of the Holy Spirit to come into your heart and to take up, break down the bulwarks of self-sufficiency and pride. And to enable you, as we must all come, in our nothingness and our demerit, leaning the weight of our never-dying sword security, there upon the passion and the finished work of Christ. How can I get the Holy Spirit? You must cry out for him in your need. And there's the promise that is given to us in Scripture. Christ gives it. Whosoever comes unto me I will not not cast out. I will give you the Spirit. I will give you the Spirit to enable you to enter into your privilege of believing and your responsibility to believe. And it's only there that we are enabled to truly believe in Christ, leaning the weight of our soul's security on his passion and finished work. And we cannot take any credit to ourselves in it. It's all of God's grace. And every believer here this night can vouch for that. Yes, I've been unable to believe by the mercy of God by the grace of God and he has kept me ever since as well but it's all I I can take no pride, no credit to myself 
we need the enabling of that spirit to come into our hearts. We need to cry out to the Lord for that help that we need a serve. But you don't come to a nickerly saviour. He delights in mercy and judgment is a strange word. Sometimes he way he breaks or, 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 or breaks down the self-sufficiency, sometimes it's by the law. The Spirit applies the law, the Ten Commandments to us, to show us ourselves. It's like a, a shepherd with a dog, and uh, he chases us with the law, chases us into the fold, showing us our, our, showing us our, our, showing us our need. Sometimes it's not so much the law, sometimes it's that we are conscious of. Sometimes it's the love of God, just like a shepherd uh, going, going for a sheep with a bag of carrots, and he drops a carrot here and a carrot there, and he draws lovingly to himself. But whether it's with the law, or whether it's with the the love of God that we are drawn, that we are, con- that we are consciously drawn, we will end up in Christ. We will end up acknowledging, I contribute nothing but my sin and shame. The glory of the salvation of my never dying soul security, all in Christ. Therefore, the question to you and to me is this tonight, what think you of Christ? Where do we stand in relationship to the claims of Christ who is saying to us, my son, my daughter, give me your heart? That's a question I can't answer for you and you can't answer for me. We must all answer for that question ourselves and we must answer particularly at that great throne to which we are fast hastening. I must believe. I can't believe. What is impossible with me is possible with God. And we have the encouragement to come to the Christ of God, whosoever will, let him take of the waters of life freely. Let us pray. Mighty God, when we take these solemn matters uh, into our meditation and consideration, leave us not to ourselves, so that uh, <coughs> the effect would be that. Uh, these thoughts will be filched away from us by an evil enemy as soon as we part from this building. And the distractions of this world will be made to take that place that ought to be the great concern of our souls. We pray that thou open our eyes that we may see wonderful things out of thy truth. 
we pray that thou would unstop our ears, that we may hear the word with relish. We pray that thou would grant us that test, that relish for salvation in thy truth, to the glory of thy name and the good of our souls. That we might hear thee again as the one who says, O test and see that God is good, who trust in him is blessed. Fear God is sense, none that in fear shall be with want oppressed. We thank thee for the encouragements that there are in thy word to the earnest seeker. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. Thou art a father who will not, when, when bread is asked, thou wilt not give a serpent. And when when the sinner asks for this enabling grace, this enabling of thy spirit, thou wilt not withhold. We pray that thou wilt open our understandings more and more to our great need as we journey on, on life's journey into eternity. We pray that as gospel ministers thou wilt give us a tenderness in speaking these things, that we will speak them as fellow sinners, redeemed with trust, but nevertheless sinners, with fellow sinners on the way to eternity. We pray that thou would grant us encouragement, that thy word will not return to thee void as thou hast promised, but that thou wilt do thy mighty work of salvation in the souls of sinners. Thou wilt have a remnant as long as time remains. Thou wilt have thy people. They shall all be thine in the day that thou makest up thy jewels. Not one shall be lost. Oh, may we be found among those who are thy chosen. May we be found among those who are effectually called out of this world. May we be found among those whom thou dost enable to believe in the way that we have spoken. May we be ones, therefore, who know what it is to be justified and accepted in the presence of our judge. May we know what it is to be set free from condemnation. May we know what it is in Christ to be cleansed progressively from the filth and pollution of sin. Oh, make him precious to us in his passion, in his finished work, as the unknown Saviour. Draw us that we may run after thee and take away all iniquity. For his name's sake, Amen. <coughs> Let us sing in Psalm 98. Verses 1 through to one through to 6. <clears throat> oh, sing a new song to the Lord, for wonders he hath done. His right hand and his holy arm him victory hath won. The Lord God his salvation has caused it to be known. His justice in the heathen sight he openly hath shown. 
through to the end of that of verse Mark 6. So sing a new song to the Lord. <coughs>